This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, welcome to Enemies. This is Lisa Traeger. I want to thank everyone that tells me that they listen to this podcast. It feels really cool. And thank you so much. Today we have a cool ass guest. Have I used the word cool way too many times? Um, Obviously this week and as I'm recording this, what is happening with Roe v. Wade, women's rights to their bodies and autonomy is being threatened. It has been threatened and fuck you to all the men and everyone that after Trump was elected was like, oh, it'll be fine. You're overreacting, overreacting. Relax. Let's just see what happens. We knew what was going to happen. We knew what was going to happen. This has been a goal of the Republican Party and the evangelical lunatic right for decades upon decades. Um, And we knew what was coming with the packing of the courts, with these religious nuts, these rapists, these people that do not respect women as full beings, as people that can decide things for themselves. And it's like, if you can't trust a woman to decide whether she needs or doesn't need or want an abortion, why would she be raising a child? Why should she bring someone into this world? If she can't even be trusted to make a decision about her body, it is fucked up. So an enemy, obviously, this week is the Supreme Court, religious people, men who do not speak up for the rights of women, Joe Rogan, all these fucking podcasters who cry about being canceled and spend most of their time and energy, you know, formulating weird, wild fantasy stories of how they're victims of something or some cancellation or something's being taken away and yet are silent as the rights of women are being impeded on and women will be dying because of this young people's lives will be horrified trauma of people of poor women in this country are going to be changed forever i am guilty also of being someone that has taken our rights for granted and thinking of course we will always have the roe v wade And we do not. So my biggest enemy of all is every single fucking man that does not speak for this. Because guess who's villainized? Single mothers. Not these sperm donor daddies who run away and don't do anything for their children. We know who gets sent away. Pregnant teens to different high schools. Not the men that impregnate them. You know, who fights for who fights for these women? You know, we're trying to make it okay for people to marry, you know, underage girls, children. Um, We are letting rapists like fight for the custody of their rape children. It is a farce to think that anyone believes that this is for the betterment of babies or children or people at all. It is all fake. It's about control. It's about keeping people down. And it is horrific. And if you are someone that is not vocal and is not pissed and is not understanding what is happening, get informed, get real and let's fucking do something about it. It is enraging. It is tough to even like do stuff you know but this will be an entertaining episode sorry to get so rageful up top but i'm sure you understand if you're listening and like the way my voice sounds um someone was complimenting that my voice is just incredible sounding and so thank you to whoever said that it is fucked up that i don't remember but i get complimented a lot what can i say um but yeah this is serious issue um you know please Get together with your local Planned Parenthoods and find ways to help people. Um, There are the states where like because this isn't just this isn't just the rights of women and people being taken away. It is also like 
the procedures will not be taught in medical schools. We will have a generation of doctors and medical providers who do not have the knowledge on how to even do abortions. So states like California will be bringing med students to California to learn these things. We are um, not we. I wish I was more involved, but um, other states that will hopefully stay true and strong um, for the rights of women will like um, see an influx of people traveling to get abortions. And also we have to donate to funds so people can get aborted. I'm just thinking of all these young children that are victims of assault or bad decisions or whatever there doesn't need to be a victim story there doesn't need to be a horrific thing it doesn't need to be your life is at stake or you needed to have incest and rape thrust upon you to fucking be able to not want to be a mother or to not want to give birth or be pregnant and these fucking abstinence only lunatics who do not they do not see women as full beings do you understand this like it's like oh well you chose to have sex so here your life is ruined they don't want pleasure for women they want you in the homes fucking barefoot and pregnant sucking their dicks fuck everybody except our guest who's incredible i you know i hope um this will not be covered again throughout this episode i want people to have uh fun escapes and conversations and moments and i know that that is kind of what i can do in this moment and so please enjoy but i obviously am pissed about what is happening it is um week of you know these are more i'm pretty timely here um also um, just selfishly call into enemies. Hello, we need voicemails. We need people asking for advice. We need emails. Get to it. That's 323-677-1943. 323-677-1943. So keep the emails tight. Remember that. Um, also, if you remember from a few episodes ago, the 420 episode with Frank Castillo, we had a voicemail and it was a nanny and she wanted to be the number one nanny because they all missed the former nanny who was incredible. And I guess that she was a Russian woman. And I did get a response <laughs> for a direct message, a DM on Instagram. And of course, it was a Russian nanny. <laughs> uh, but this person is in early childhood development. This is just an update. And so she wants to be like full time with these children and be beloved. But she understands i think a little bit now you can't compete with the russian grandma you know what i mean you think you can make chicken soup like that clean on your hands and knees no 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 you'll never compete but i was fucking right i knew it was an elderly foreign fucking nanny um now our guest today is amazing it's a little bit not a, like i he makes me a little nervous he's a cool person i think he is cool i like that he likes me um i was excited when i went was at the comedy store and i felt like he was excited to talk to me and even when i told him i go oh i for, i didn't even think you would remember my name he kind of got offended and was taken aback of like well what do you mean and it's like well you are known to be a dick like that is that is the truth and um but that's what's amazing about this person is he's direct. He's, you know, I talk a lot. So people that are okay with silences or not giving a lot or the reactions you want, you know, it stresses me out. Do I think it's sometimes a power play? Yes. Um, he denies it. We'll see. But a badass, so funny. I respect his dedication to comedy, to reading, to being authentic to who he is, to honestly the craft and like the beauty of putting together like an incredible hour of jokes and wanting people to have an amazing time at his shows and I just I love that I love someone that like does it right you know gets an hour together in a town then like does a tour of the clubs then does a tour of the theaters and then puts out fucking incredible specials um 
one of his claims to fame for me that I am so <sighs> jealous isn't the right word, but it is very cool. He got to be in um, Joan Rivers show in bed with Joan and he got to sit in bed with Joan Rivers and chit chat with her. She was also a guest on his Comedy Central show with David Tell. So that's like such a twosome that he got to sit with, which I think is incredible. Um, I love who I love his love for comedy and, you know, leather jackets. And he is generous and fun and has shown me such good times. And I was actually like very excited to be with him and you can probably tell throughout the interview that I'm like kind of nervous and I want him to like me and so you're seeing me in a different way where I act so badass and fuck star fuckers and people who act like this and that and then you see me kind of interact with someone that I think is really cool and that I admire um and he's like fucking hot which is you know not nice I guess to objectify people but I think one of the hottest physically attractive people in comedy no offense to anyone else but truly you know Try to try to fucking correct me. Um, multiple Netflix specials, Comedy Central specials, um, a really amazing career. You might have guessed it is Anthony Jeselnik. So that's exciting. And we kind of became friends, I would say, and had a connection through a mutual friend who is no longer a friend of mine. But um, I would like to thank her for that connection as well. And also, um, what I like, he had another show on Comedy Central that I fucking love. Maybe it's on Paramount Plus or something like that. But Good Talk with Anthony Jeselnik was so good, too. Um, but yeah, just like a badass who truly can leave it or take it, take it or leave it type vibes where it's like, you know, he doesn't need you or anything about you. So it's like you are on edge or I was on edge. You'll hear it. Um, but it's so enjoyable. He names names. He talks real shit and he means what he says. So he's not really nervous about saying anything. So I just appreciate it. And his attitude, his vibe and his overall essence. So enjoy this episode with Anthony Jeselnik. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. Yeah, always happy to do you a favor. Really, um, I was I was not nervous to ask you, but I the the chances of you saying no were high. Yes, not high. Is there a particular reason you decided to say yes? Because it was a Zoom thing. It was a, a day I'm free. If I had to come somewhere or do something, and even now I'm still skeptical. You know, like I know <laughs> I can fail at any moment. You can't. I mean, it's been hard. So I want to get on people that I fight with, but no one says yes. No one wants to have conflict on a podcast for some reason with me. No. Well, so many podcasts now are about conflict and like bringing it up and you like start something with another podcast and you're going back and forth. And it's just it's like, why are we doing this? I don't want that. I want like old high school teachers. I want people I fought with friendships that have gone awry or people I just kind of don't like, but they keep talking about like, Oh, I heard Lisa doesn't like me. So it's like, come on down. No one wants to come on down, yeah. but I got excited. I Googled your name and the fifth thing down said Anthony Jeselnik and enemies. And I was like, Oh, this will be great. But it's just your, um, it's your show at Largo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everyone does like so-and-so and friends. And I was like, not me. Do you have a lot of enemies? Or are you a grudge holder? I let things go. Like I definitely upset a lot of people a lot of times. And I think a lot of it is just me being funny and I'm funny in a mean way. We're like, I'll make the room laugh, but the person I made fun of hates me forever, never forgives me. Uh, and I just, I try not to give it too much of my own time and thought. So my enemies, like, I don't think about. You don't think about them at all. No. I mean, if, if, you, if you're thinking about them, they're winning. And like, I, For sure. you know, I like, I work on my own mental well-being. that I'm like, I don't want to be mad all day. 
And there's no reason mm-hmm. to add anything. And the more time you give something, like they, people always say uh, they're living in your head rent-free. I charge rent. So I, I usually, I get over things pretty quick. Have you been recently in a room where, you, well, now it's COVID, but like uncomfortable. Like, do you ever enter a room and you're like, that person is there and the tension will make me uncomfortable? Oh, yeah. Or very zen. Anytime I go to a comedy show, I'm like, oh, I got to avoid this person. And I just walk away. Like, I'm, I don't, I'm not there for the conflict. I don't need, and there's not like that much to say. It's just like, hey, what's your problem? Or I've heard you say this about me. Or like, if I don't like someone, I let them know. You know, if you if you're yes. like, I don't know, if, I don't know if Anthony likes me or not. Like, then I like you. I'll let you know if I don't when I'm comfortable with that. But yeah, every time I go to a comedy show, I'm like, oh, this person. OK, let's just avoid them. Hopefully they're going early. I'm going late or the opposite. But I just don't want to deal with it. I feel like you're someone that gets off on staying calm. You're not yelling. Never. I never raise my voice. Like if you hear me yell, something's really wrong. That uh, the, I'm, I'm very calm with it. It doesn't bother me. I'm just like, I, and a lot of times it's like, I just don't like your comedy. You know, I don't think you're funny and I'm not going to pretend. But are you friends with people you don't find funny or absolutely not? I'll be nice to people that I don't find that funny, but I never watch their act. Like, I'm like, I can be friends with you. You're nice. You're, you don't ask too much of me, but I'm not going to sit there and watch you because if I did, I might not be able to be friends with you because it's hard when you're just like, this is what you do. This is what you're on stage doing. Like, I can't, I can't hang with that. Because of the level of delusion or just lack of respect or what is it about? Lack of respect. Lack of respect. You respect all of your friends. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I know some are better than others, but if I like one of my friends once told me, he's like, I've seen so much comedy. The only way to make me laugh is if you're a genius or my friend. So sometimes a friend, I can laugh at their stuff because I know them and I like them already. But unless they're like amazing, then I'm just kind of like, we can be friends off stage. And your best friend forever. I do like that about you. You have had a friend for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, best best friend. Friend. I do a podcast with my best friend, Greg Rosenthal. Uh, we've met in college. We've been best friends ever since. And now we're doing this podcast together. And it's kind of helped us become even closer because instead of like talking every few months and catching up, we talk every week. And that's how we kind of like stay in each other's lives and rehash like old stories from college and what's happened since then. Um, so it, that's been good. And you like um, his partner in life. Oh, yeah. His, his wife. wife, I love. And it was one of those. Like, I love my best friend so much that like, no matter who he married, I was going to make like me and I was going to like no matter what. And luckily, she's great. Uh, but I, I do, wasn't like you've got to prove something to me. It's like I've got to prove it to you and let you know I'm not a piece of garbage. Like I'm godfather to both of their children. So I'm like, I've got to I've got to make sure I do a good job with this and make them like me. I don't there's not a lot of people whose opinion I care about. But if I love you, then I want you and your family and your wife to like me. I think that's um, shocking from you're just like kind of opposite of what people think you are. I feel like it made a lot of incels upset. I think people thought you think you're a dick. I actually find a lot of pleasure when people ask like um, how you are. It's always exciting to be like, he's very generous and nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of people thought that I was, and I think a lot of us was political that because I'm not like PC that I'm also like just a dickhead. And in the past couple of years, you know, I'm in my forties now. I was like, I kind of want to be understood a little more. It used to not bother me. People thought I was actually evil. And now I'm like, no, like you've got to understand this is art. I'm doing something here. I'm very different off stage. Yeah, I enjoy that um, a lot. And are you going to be naming names today? <laughs> also, the pressure is high because I do know you can leave at any moment. It's really I feel like I'm on a gauntlet game show and <laughs> you're not you don't get uncomfortable with silences or making people uncomfortable. You love it. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Is this because you like, were you getting your dick sucked very early in your life? No, no, no. I mean, I kind of like, I grew into what I am now. Uh, high school, you know, I had, I had, I wasn't like a popular kid. I was kind of weird. Like I was looking through, I was showing a friend my old high school yearbook. And she was like, it's amazing that everyone who signed your yearbook starts out with you're the biggest asshole. Like, I, oh, they did? Yeah. And they're like, you're funny, but you were like, you were kind of an asshole. And I just, I just had a lot of jokes running around in my head. I had a lot more energy. I wasn't as laid back as I am now. And I just had to keep, I just had to spew it out. So I, I'm sure I was pretty annoying in high school. Annoying class clown vibes. Because a part of me is like, is there a defense, or is there a part of you that it is a defense mechanism? You're kind of, um, uh, vibe and attitude is there some of that like um or is it truly like your true spirit it's kind of my true spirit like it's not a defense it's not like how do i get through this conversation without making a joke kind of thing it's more like it's i call it like an offense mechanism that like i'm just so bored that i can have fun by you know disrupting this class and making this joke i just thought of like i was just always so bored that i wanted to and if i thought of something like a funny joke i had to say it even if i knew i'd get in trouble where we disrupt the class or it would be rude i just had to get it out back then and you've gotten in trouble on tv like saying stuff you know that people didn't like or whatnot is there a time you look back on that you like um not lax in time but you you fold and you're like fine i'll just do whatever for this occasionally like in the edit beforehand they'd be like hey like once i do the joke it's out there and i'm not going to apologize i'm not going to take it down but it's like beforehand they're like hey you know you've got this joke about sasha and malia obama it might come off the wrong way i'm like fine it's not a precious joke to me like let's lose it i'm not like a jerk like that but once it's out there it's it's out there you know i've had a lot of tweets that have gotten me in trouble more than things i've said on tv you know sometimes people just don't like me and that's okay like, I'm not for everybody. You can, like, hear a joke and be like, that was funny, but I don't like him because he said it. And that's fine. That's fair. Like, when I, I used to write for Jimmy Fallon, and we would have jokes, and they would say, listen, like, they'll laugh at this joke, but then they won't like Jimmy. And it's more important for Jimmy Fallon to be likable than it is for him to be funny. So let's try to find something, in, like, in the middle ground. And whereas I don't care if you don't like me. You can hate me and still laugh at what I'm doing. That's, like, my whole thing. Okay, cool. So you don't mind when people consider you enemy, an enemy. You kind of you indifferent, or you like it? Completely indifferent. And I always, and I also believe that if you don't have any real enemies, you don't have any real friends. You know that you, sometimes you got to draw the line. People who are so political that they just want to be friends with everyone. I don't trust those people. But if they're like, "Fuck that person," I'm going to hang out with you. Then I'm like, "Okay, we can be friends." Like you've shown me something. Ooh, I love that. Well, you actually gave me some um, news about myself that I've really taken and ran with, and I loved it. But you were hanging out with Chris Rock, and when you asked him who his least favorite comedian was, who he really didn't like, he said my name. Mm -hmm. And you were shocked, because obviously I'm not like a famous person. And so I think it was shocking for you to hear my name come out of Chris Rock's mouth. And then when you told me, I do get off on it. I like that he's even remembered or thinking or that it's a part of it. Um, but yeah, it kind of, I don't know, it gets me going. I, I like say it. Though, when he told me the story, I saw his point. I was like, yeah, I wouldn't like her either. If you did that to me, I would, I would hate you forever. Uh, but yeah, it was funny that he brought your name up. It's a hundred percent. And still like, um, I will be around him and he won't acknowledge my presence. And to me, I'm just like, I don't know if I had like a hundred, like tens of millions of dollars. I wonder if I'd keep, I probably would keep grudges. Oh Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't like and I don't let things bother me, but I don't forget either. 
Like there are clubs I don't perform in. There are people I don't talk to. Like I once, I like, I stopped doing funny bones years ago because I got in like an argument with the guy who books the funny bones. And I was like, I'll never do a funny bone again for the rest of my life. And I haven't. So, you, so it is a grudge hold. You won't forget, but it's not tearing you up inside. Yeah. It's like what my power here is just to not work with you ever again. I, I don't, I don't like think about this. It doesn't make me mad when I think about it. I'm just like, I handled my business and now I can walk around without that weighing on my shoulders. I can stick to my guns. And I will like, if someone's really like, let's talk this out, I'll sit down and talk. But I've had those go wrong where someone's like, Hey, I feel like there's static between us. Let's talk it out. And by the end of the conversation it's way worse because I don't like the way they present it to me or, uh, or the way they talk to me or what they're actually mad about. Um, that makes me mad. Um, are you down to talk or once it turns, it turns for you? I'm, I'm usually down to talk. Sometimes I'm like, what's the point? Like I'm not, nothing's going to get solved here, but if we have to be in the same room a lot or around each other, then yeah, let's squash this thing. But, uh, but it's usually just like a, Hey, are we cool? We're cool. Okay, great. Move on. But you would never bring up a convo, but you would be open to say, yes, let's talk. I have out. like I've gotten upset with friends where as soon as I get mad at someone and I forget about it, whatever. But if I'm laying awake in bed at night thinking about something, I will. Uh, then we're going to have the conflict. Right? I'll call them like, we've got to talk and I'll show up and be like, this is what you said. And this is uh, this upset me. And I just have to say something. I don't know what you're going to say back, but just the fact that I said something will make me feel better. I don't need anything from you. I just need to say this to your face. And now I'll be okay. And then I go home and I rest easy that night. But that will happen. I know myself well enough that if something is really bothering me, I will, uh, I will, um, you know, have conflict. And then if you forgot to say something, will you call back and be like, "Oh, and another thing"? No. Or are you willing to? No, it's put like it all I, out it's there. one. I'm not. I'm not leaving the second message. It's like I got it out there. If I forgot something, I'm like, I'm bummed. I forgot it. Uh, or if I think of like a funny line I could have said later on, I'm like, oh, that that would have been good. But if I call back, the joke's not going to work. So I know enough not to do that. Did you grow up with really good conflict resolution, or is this through years of like mental health? Years of maintenance. maintenance. When I was younger, I would just do with it. And I think part of the thing that made me a good comedian is I would have conflict and I would just want to avoid it. I wanted to get out of there. And then after I'd leave, I would think of the thing I should have said. And so I always had the perfect comeback, maybe an hour late. And then I started shrinking that down. Then it was like maybe a couple minutes after I walked away, uh, I, I thought of it. And now I think of it on the spot. So it's not as it's not as tough. Have you ever been out in the real, out in public, someone doesn't know you and they try to fuck with you and then you kind of slay them and they don't know where it came from? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I have a thing where I, <laughs> I, I assume the waiter recognizes me. Like they'll laugh at something I say in a way that I'm like, they know I'm a comedian. Let me give them a treat here. And I'll be like, they're like, do you want to hear the specials? And I'm like, go fuck yourself. And then they like drop their tray and I'm like, oh, you did not know who I was. I'm acting like a crazy <laughs> person. That happens. So usually it's because you think they already recognized you. Mm -hmm. I think they know me as a comedian. And, and I have had that too, where like a waiter will come up and I'll be like, fuck off. And they laugh. And it's like, they give, they have that story. You know, if a fan asks for an autograph and I mean, like in a funny way, they just want a story. It, that's even better than having my name on a piece of paper is just me being a jerk. But if I'm wrong, then I really miss. And you truly are unaffected when things are being written about or said about you. Do you, does anything ever upset you reading about 
yourself. I, I find it flattering. I find if you're being ignored, that would be the worst case scenario. That if someone writes a bad review, uh, that doesn't bother me as much. I, or I try not to let it bother me. Um, and a lot of times I can dismiss. I, I read what they, what they say. I take in the criticism and then I decide whether I should keep hold on to it or not. Or if it's just like, no, they're wrong. And a lot of times people are wrong. But I, I find being ignored to be worse. The, the thing that, that will annoy me is when it's like the same jokes over and over again online. Like if I get into a fight with some other, another comic and their fans start like tweeting at me, it just gets annoying because it's exhausting. It's the same jokes and you can't post anything on Instagram or on Twitter or, or like publicize a show without these like same people in the comments uh, just like just being trolls. And it just and it, each one doesn't hurt me. But the, the cumulative effect is annoying. We're like, I wish this would. Just, what do I do have to do to make this go away? So you I can block just, words. Do you block any words? No, because I want to have... see. I've had people like try to publish my address on Twitter or publish my family's names on Twitter. So I look at things just to make sure that everyone's safe. And I can let my brother know if he's going to get phone calls at two in the morning from like rappers fans who are mad at me. Who what um who was the most mad at you? New Zealand was really mad at me uh, back in 2013. Where like my like, if you look up Anthony Jeselnik, and this is all changed now, but if you look up Anthony Jeselnik, uh, you can't find me, but you can find my dad, who's also named Anthony Jeselnik. So people from New Zealand got mad at me for uh, making fun of this guy who got eaten by a shark, and they would call my house. At like four in the morning with this New Zealand accent, trying to pronounce Jesselnik, like yelling at my parents. And they just be like, Anthony's not home right now. That was pretty annoying. My parents thought it was funny. And now their numbers are private. Uh, things are, I've had my siblings protect themselves in a ways that they're, they're a little private. But I got into a thing with some rapper who had been killed and a friend of mine uh, made a joke about it. And she was getting a lot of hate online, like death threats got doxxed. And to try to help her, I made a joke about the rapper, thinking it would take heat off of her. But it ended up not helping her at all. It was just a different group of people came after me for like a week. Luckily, you know, people kind of defended me and it went away pretty quickly. My brother got like voicemails telling uh, him like they're going to kill him. And my brother now knows me well enough to kind of laugh at it and be like, we're not too worried. You know, death threats aren't what they used to be. You know, you see someone like a death threat on Twitter. You're just like, I don't believe you're going to be able to find me. No, but you know, the FBI called me because someone was threatening me on the Internet and the FBI did contact me and I felt special. Mm -hmm. I've never gotten the FBI. I've had like I've had like Viacom security, like talk me through things and help my parents make their stuff private. But I've never had the FBI get involved. Well, so I asked that comedian. I think we're thinking of the same comedian with the joke in the rap. I asked her to come on and she's like, let me think about it. People really fucking went after her in a scary ass way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I know people get mad, but hers seemed at a level that I haven't seen before. It was insane. And when you're at that level, like if you're at my level, it's a little easier because people know what you're talking about. When you're starting out, like people don't really know who you are. So it's hard to even discuss, like explain what's happening and have people understand. You know, a lot of like the beefs I've gotten into with other comics, I'll go talk to my friends about it and they don't know who I'm talking about, which is annoying. You know, if you get a beef with Chris Rock, everyone knows who that is and everyone wants to hear the story. But if you're like, yeah, this guy in New York, they're like, who? I don't know what you're talking about. You're like, why am I dealing with this if I can't even get the entertainment aspect out of it and like and talk to my friends and have them have my back? No one knows what's going on. So like, this wasn't worth it. Is this a, a Legion of Skanks reference mm -hmm. or general? OK, <laughs> I watched some clips to get prepped for <laughs> yeah. our chat about it. Yeah. Um, 
I liked when you called him Louie instead of Lewis. Was that on purpose no, to get I, a mad or true slip of the tongue? People think it's like shade when you're like, I don't know that person, but I truly don't know me- most comedians, especially like if I'm not in the same city. I just, I've got my eyes on my own paper. I, I see the people who go before me and after me on the show and that's it. So I really didn't know. And that was one of the things with Legion of Skanks where I felt like I fucked up. You know, I tweeted out this article basically being like, I, I read it and I was like, yeah, comics shouldn't go on Gavin McGinnis's podcast because they think it's kind of like a funny thing to do, but you're just legitimizing them. And there were all these other things in the article that I didn't understand because I didn't, I, I don't, I'm not in New York. I don't know what they're talking about. I wasn't trying to cancel someone. I don't think I have that much power. But then when I would talk about it, I don't know anything about the Legion of Skanks. I've never listened to the podcast. I just see what the, I see their fans being mean to some of my friends online. And that annoys me. But I think that's just a handful of trolls of the fans. It's not all of their fans. So as soon as I open my mouth to talk about them, I realize I'm getting everything wrong and I don't want to do the research. So it's like, OK, let me just apologize. Be like, I shouldn't have said anything. And I truly regret saying anything uh, about it because I just didn't know what I was talking about. But I wasn't trying to shade him by calling him, you know, the other pronunciation of his name. I just <laughs> Yeah, with that article and like the drama of like they were trying to cancel, I was like, I don't even know if people read this article. It was on a blog. I don't even think it was like a credible news source. Like it was everyone a, could have kept living. It was. I think it was in the New Republic, which is why I was like excited. Like the New Republic's writing about stand up. Like this is interesting. I agree with some of this. And then again, I didn't know a lot about it. Like they were mentioning people who I've never heard of. But I tweeted it anyway, thinking like, okay. And certain people got really upset. Like I was trying to make a statement and. I kind of ate shit for a little while. And then when I talked about it on another podcast, I was like, this is where I fucked up. I never should have said anything. Um, And so I was like, I deserve all the shit I get. I'll eat it. And, um, you know, I'm friends with some of those guys. And if we ever talk, I'm sure I can explain myself. But I try to just let it go. You know, and again, some of those guys are people who feed off of me commenting back. You know, I'll probably I'm sure talking about this right now will open things up again and I'll see I'll see comments. Hopefully not. I mean, what annoys me is the defense of like, we're comics, we're just comics. And it's like, no, I actually have met you. You suck. You're a terrible person. Um, You like did weird things to girls that I know. So that's what bothers me sometimes where it's like some of you are kind of Nazis and not cool. I get like we don't care what anyone thinks, but like you seem like you care very much what I think. And I don't understand why. Uh, that if you like, if someone was, was talking shit on me, I don't think it would bother me. I'd be like flattered that they're like that angry that I've made someone that mad, but it wouldn't, I wouldn't think like, we've got to, we've got to take this to the streets. It just seems like uh, some comics, that's their whole thing. And I'm like, I just don't want to go on stage and perform for an audience. And when you're a comic, you go on stage alone. It doesn't matter who your fucking friends are or what group you're with. These comedy gangs, that are <laughs> for me, I think it's, it's repulsive. It's repulsive. <laughs> Well, yeah, I just think there's one gang and everyone else is just trying to work. Or do you find multiple gangs? I don't find it so much in L.A. There was like the Rogan crew, which always made me roll my eyes. I didn't understand why. You'd, and I don't mind Joe Rogan. I just didn't want to be a satellite revolving around him. You know, like there's a lot of times where I'll be like in a at, at a comedy club or something and a very famous comic walks in and everyone's like, ooh, I want to go get FaceTime with them. And I'm like, I'm leaving. I'm leaving right now. Like I've done my set. I'm not, I didn't get into comedy to become friends with people. And I do like my comic friends, but when they're like that famous, I just, I just get out of there. Well, yeah. Cause a big part, you said you like to respect the people that you're friends with. And once you see your friends or people start acting different to get attention from a famous person, it's hard to look at them the same after. A little bit, a little bit. And I understand why some people do it, but I'm like, I would never go ask this person for a selfie to Instagram it. Like that just seems like 
I don't know, you're showing your whole ass. And I just, I just wanted to do my set and go home. Are there any famous people that get you going? Because I will ask famous people for things. What do you mean? Um, like I have a, I, today I, photo, I posted a photo of me and Lance Bass together. And that was really exciting for me from NSYNC. There are people that would, you know, I don't think I would post the photos. I mean, I mean, I don't even have Instagram, but there are people that I would like truly like to meet. But I've, I've, I've met some of my idols growing up and it's it's not what you want it to be. You know, sometimes you like you, you put so much on someone, like someone you liked growing up and then you meet them and it's always kind of a letdown. But I just thought, you know, I'd rather I'd rather just have what's in my head in my head. I don't need to do it. You know? Can you name who you were kind of saddened by? No, because then like we ended up becoming kind of friends. Like the Ooh. first meeting was uh, was not great where I was like, maybe I, I shouldn't. I almost felt embarrassed. And it's me. It's like it's coming from me. It's like what I, my expectations are. They're acting normal. But I expected something more. When people meet you, do you feel like you let them down or they're really happy with their interaction with you? Uh, it depends. If it's someone who's a fan of mine, I'll try to give them time because I know they're going to tell this story forever. But I, oh, a lot of it's body language. Like I'll be like, oh, thank you. Like that's I, I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. And I'm already turning away. But if you just stand there, they'll be with you all day. I don't I like I like to try to be polite, but I do not suffer fools. So if, especially if someone's drunk, then I get out of there as quickly as I can. But I just try to do it in a play way without, you know, causing conflict. Because if you take a picture with someone, someone else comes up and asks for a picture and you say no, it's a thing. Like I once, I was coming back from like overseas. I've been traveling for like 24 hours to get home. I'm exhausted. I get off the plane at LAX and some guy's like, you're Anthony Jessalyn. Can I get a picture? And I'm like, man, I've been flying. Like I've been sleeping on a plane. Like I'm on Xanax. Like I've got, and he's just like looking at me like, like, are you kidding? And I'm like, take the picture, take the fucking picture and let's get out of here. Cause it's just easier than, than having the argument. Now, funny bone, what are the things that are no goes for you? Deal breakers, turnoffs in the world of like, I'm never going to work this club again. I hate that you did this backstage or like, what are those pet peeves of yours? Uh, unprofessionalism, disrespect. And my biggest one is if someone lies to me and this is like, like a work thing, there's a couple of times where someone's been like, no, this isn't good. We're not going to do it like that. And then I'm sitting there on camera and they do it exactly like that. We need to get this show going. Anthony might leave if we tell him this. Let's lie to him. But we know he's going to find out afterwards. That makes me really mad. And I'm like, oh, you knew I was going to find out right now. But you knew it was too late. Then I do not forgive people ever, ever for that. And what were those things? One was like a... I was on a roast with that. Like, we're not going to talk about this. We're not going to joke. We're not going to bring these jokes up. And if we do, like, it'll be a comic who does them. But if the, the writers aren't going to work on those. And I was like, okay, that's a fair compromise. And then it was clear that the writers had worked on those. And they just got me in the seat. And it was too late to do anything. That I was angry. And then one time where someone had shown up at a, at a show, a taping I was doing. And I heard they were coming. And I was like, oh, no, we hate each other. Like, I don't want them here. And they were like, oh, you won't see them at all. They're way in the back. Like, it won't bother you at all. And then I go out to my seat on stage, and they're, like, right next to me. Then I'm like, mother, so the whole time I'm just pissed. And I come off stage, and I'm like, what the fuck? And they're like, oh, oh, sorry. But it was a good show. And I'm like, you know, and just lied. Lie, disrespect, unprofessionalism. Mm -hmm. Have you ever done any yeah. of those things, and you regret it? No, I, I don't feel like as a being like a comedian, I don't feel the need to lie ever. Um, and if I lie, it's like, oh, I can't do that show. I have something that night and I don't, but that's fine. 
Um, I'm very professional. I'm always there early. You know, I, 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 I do the, I do the show to the best of my ability to make sure everyone's happy. Uh, you know, feels like they got their money's worth. Um, but yeah, and I, and I don't feel the need to, you know, lie about anything. They know what they're getting. They know who I am. So I, I try not to do that. And it's very rare that that happens to me, but when it does, I get, uh, I get very upset. Like with the phony bone thing, it was like, they were being a jerk to me. Like the, the manager was kind of being a jerk, like what's going on. And then he was like giving me shit about my opener, who my opener was going to be. He's like, I've gotten an opener. We're not paying your opener who's already flying in. And I was like, what's going on? What's happening? Why, why are you being mean to me? Everyone's so nice to me and I'm nice to them when I go to the club. And he goes, well, I probably shouldn't tell you this, but uh, some other clients of your agent were here and he kind of raked me over the coals for the door deal. You know, they said we did something. We had let in extra people, so they took money from us. And so I'm taking it out on you. And in, in this sick before I do the first show of the weekend that I was like, I'm so mad. I wanted to leave immediately and, and miss the shows. My agent was like, don't do that. Like, do the shows for your fans that you don't punish them. And then I just never did one of their clubs ever again. I like that you had the wherewithal to know that there was something deeper going on. Yeah, I mean, which no one's ever mean. Everyone tries to be nice and bend over backwards. And what can we get you? What do you need? And this guy was the opposite. And I'm like, there's no reason to treat the headliner this way. When I haven't done anything weird, like I'm not unprofessional, I'm not showing up wasted. You know, uh, the show is good. And before we even do that, you're being unprofessional and kind of a jerk. And I, I don't, that, that doesn't happen very often. I was just reminded, I one time was in the taping of an audience when someone I really hate and don't get along with ha- was doing stand-up in that taping. And I'm sure they thought I was being a psychopath, but my friend just wanted to go and I really didn't even want to be there. Um, but I did feel bad that she had to stare at my face while she was doing television. Yeah. You don't want anyone you know uh, in the audience when you're doing television. You don't, yeah. Do you bring friends with you? No. I like, I don't, because then if I have friends with me, I feel like I've got to entertain them or it's like, they think it's just a party. I'm like, no, I've got to get in my headspace and go make sure this is great. And then afterwards, you're just like kind of so elated that it's over. That you don't want to have to entertain and like introduce people. And they all think there's some crazy entourage after party that I don't want family. I don't want friends there. I just want to be like on my own. I don't want to be thinking about someone. I love when they're like, I can't, it's hard. The website's tough to figure out how to buy tickets. I'm happy to buy them. But the website's weird. Can you just get, put me on the list? And I'm like, the website's hard. You can't figure out Ticketmaster. Like, I'll give you tickets, but just be upfront that you want free tickets. And then when they come backstage afterwards, I'm like hard out in 30 minutes. I like have the manager come backstage and be like, hey, Anthony, your car's here. Like, you got, you've got radio in the morning. You've got to go. And I tell them that beforehand so I can just have an easy out. Where I like book it, I have a dinner reservation after the show. So I can like give them time. Everyone I went to high school with or college with wants to come to a show when I'm on tour and goes through town and then they want to party. And I'm like, I can't get drunk with you. You're, I'm on a long tour for like six months. You're just doing, this is your one night. So I get that you want to go out and have fun, but I'm pacing myself and I can't put myself in this position. Like if I'm hung over tomorrow, it's going to ruin my whole week. So I'll hang out with you and catch up for 20, 30 minutes and then you got to go. But you've matured into this, right? Or were you always... Yes. Knew this stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm matured. I've matured. I just learned... Like a big thing for me was learning how to say no to things I didn't want to do. Where someone would be like, hey, would you do this quick like little video before you do this other thing you agreed to? And I would always say yes because I felt bad. And now I just say, of course, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and then they laugh and it's totally fine. But I've been able to get out of a lot of things with, of course, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm learning a lot. I have I should do a hard out and I always get stuck with my drunkest people that have come to see me and they're like moms and I want to give them love and attention and then I'm just there and uh, yeah, I should pr- say I have something in the morning. Yeah. 
You, you've got to go. Even you think have, about I, it. It's like, it's like when you have a friend, they, they want to have dinner and you're like, okay, you have a fun dinner. And they're like, now what? I'm like, now I'm going home. I did that like, to you. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to have like every time we hang out, be like this, like honest, uh, I'll hang out with you and we'll hang out again if you let me have this heart out. But I've, I've learned that part of that's just getting older. You know, I don't want to go and do things. Yeah, I definitely did that to you. I always want to hang out. People, mm-hmm. I'm usually like people have to leave. I very rarely leave. I just know I'm happier when I leave and come home and play with my dog, you know, as opposed to going out all night. And it's like just the, you could, the night peaks at a certain point. If you keep on going past that, then it's like, oh, I like you regret the whole night. I'd rather not. I'd rather have a good memory of the dinner. Yeah, I have heartburn for the first time in my life today, and it really sucks. I mean, it's good that it's the first time. Yeah, I, I finally knew. I woke up and I was like, I think this is what all those commercials I've seen are. What did you eat? I drank a lot of whiskey, tequila shots, and then had Taco Bell. Okay. Yeah, that'll do it. Taco Bell just like has a hold on me, and I don't know how to release it. Like it just it it has something over me. I haven't had it in a long, long time. 15 minute delivery. Okay. I'll, I'll name a name and then you'll say something about him, but you don't have to if you don't want to. Sure. <laughs> Leslie Jones is the big in the press, like big fight. But that just, did you dislike, did you guys just not like each other? Uh, would you have let someone else bump you or just the general thing of like, I don't want to be bumped right now? I don't let anyone bump me. Like, even at the comedy store, I'll be like, they can go after me. You, know, you can put a loan before me, but I'm leaving. And I've threatened that a couple of times. It's just like, it's disrespect to me. And occasionally get the comedy seller, like, someone will come up and be like, hey, do you mind if I go in front of you? And I'd be like, of course. Thank you for asking. If you don't ask, that's disrespect. And with Leslie Jones, she didn't like me. Uh, because I think she she thought I was trying to like, I, she, I think she thought I didn't like her, but I didn't have a problem. I was like, oh, no, you're not next. Whoever told you that was wrong. And then we had to go find the manager. And the manager's like, no, Anthony's next. You can go after him. And it wasn't like a big deal, but I think she took it the wrong way. And then when she came to bump me, uh, she didn't say anything to me. She ignored me. The host was like, hey, she, she's going to go next and do five minutes. And then she's doing 25, 30 minutes. And I was still like, okay, I'm going to go on after this. I shouldn't have let her do it. But uh, I didn't think it was like my first setback after COVID. And then they were like, and also she said she can't introduce you with enthusiasm. So someone else has to go up before you after her. And I was like, oh, that's a huge disrespect thing. I'm leaving. And then he would have ended there, except people at the show saw her do a pop and seen me at the show. And we're like, what happened? And kind of figured it out that there wasn't, it wasn't beef. It was just like, we had, you know, a little bit of conflict. But I think if you want respect, I think she wants respect. If you want respect, you have to show respect. And she didn't in that case that I think like universally, everyone pretty much sided with me on that one, but I didn't want it to be beef. I know that she gets a lot of shit online. I didn't want to contribute to that. And again, we've been in the same room together three times in our lives. There's no rivalry. You know, I don't know if I saw her again, I'd ignore her. I wouldn't do a show if she was in the lineup probably, but that rarely comes up. Yeah. Cause you could also, you would have been fine being brought up without enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. I don't think you mm-hmm. needed enthusiasm at all. No. Do you bring no. up people you hate? Off, I bring up people that I don't get along with, I feel. Oh, absolutely. I have had to, and I do my best. Like, I'll make fun of, I make fun of everyone when I follow them. You know, if I, make, if I follow whoever, even a good friend of mine, I'll, say, I'll slam them for something they said in their act or something they were wearing, always. But I never try to trip someone up before they come on stage. You know, oh. I don't want somebody to dig out of a hole. I'll give you a great introduction no matter what. 
But when I like afterwards, I'm coming after you. It's okay, I know that's what I've heard. Uh, but you go up so uh, early in the evening, and I'm a late night girl. But I hope mm-hmm. to one day be able to get made fun of on stage. <laughs> Tim like, Dillon. Tim Dillon, don't you know the guy? Uh, we've talked a couple times. My favorite is that he said that you were barely human, like pretend that you're a human. And I just feel like you are such a person. There are so many fake or sociopathic people out there. And I just loved that he was like, I can't believe I have to pretend Anthony's human. Yeah, and it's not like, it's not like I'm known for my small talk. Like it's like, like I've got, we were just in the creating room all week. I think I said a couple things to him, not thinking anything of it. And I think, again, he was mad about that article I tweeted, which is like fine, but his fans are fucking crazy. Where I just like laughed it off. I was like, I think it's funny that, uh, you know, you wouldn't say something to my face and then say something on your podcast. Um, but it didn't, it, nothing he said upset me or I thought was like below the belt. Um, I don't know. I don't, and again, we, I, he's, Tim Dillon's the kind of guy that like I've never met or hung out with. I don't think I've ever seen his act. But we have so many friends in common who are like, no, he's cool. Like, he's really funny that I just, what are you going to do? Do you think comics always were nervous to bring beefs up in person or has like Twitter, internet podcasting kind of changed that and now people wait to do it on the internet? I think that before you didn't want to be seen as a problem, you know, you didn't want to have drama around you because everyone was trying to get in with the industry. And now the industry is like your computer that no one cares anymore. You can talk wild shit. And still make all the money from your podcast. And, and podcasts where you talk shit uh, get like the most views. You want kind of clickbait. You want things like, oh, you've got to watch this podcast to hear what he says about this. Uh, that I think people just aren't scared anymore of someone coming down and like, and you, you're not really burning bridges. You're burning everything now. And so it works differently. The industry is different where you're kind of known for who you talk shit on. Have you um, burnt a bridge you regret? I've handled things poorly, like Comedy Central. Uh, you know, we had a relationship like early on in my career. And then when they canceled my show, I was kind of angry and bitter about it. And it took years before I like softened and, you know, kind of made up with all the people involved, the executives, people come and go. And then I worked with them again. And I was like, that was like four years of my life that I could have been working with this network. And I just took it too personally. I think I needed to learn that lesson. But if I had gone back, I would have handled it more maturely. It's just, you know, it hurts your feelings when the show gets canceled. Uh, it's like getting fired from a job. Even if you didn't want the job, you're still embarrassed by it. That I wish I had been a little more mature about how I handled that professional relationship. But I think I have learned that lesson. That I don't have to take things uh, too personally. And, and if you do, like, you know, talk it out. But I just, I think I kind of used that anger to fuel me for a few years. So I had some good, you know, thoughts and prayers was basically like based on how angry I was at Comedy Central. So I, I don't know if I would have had that. Um, but you live and learn. And once I kind of became friends with them again and was working with them, I was like, oh, this was stupid. We could have done this four years ago and uh, and been working ever since. But, uh, you know, I needed to lick my wounds and take my time. And was it really canceled because of the blowback from that joke? Or is there more to it? And it was just like business it was stuff. Me. It was just a lot. I think the show just kind of wasn't working. And uh, I was angry. And, uh, and I think we could have made some changes. But... It was just, I mean, the whole thing was kind of just a mess from the beginning. It was one of those shows that kind of got thrown together and we committed to it and had different expectations. And I just didn't know what I was doing. And I think we came back too early. You know, I only had like a three month break in between season one and season two. I should have had more. And I wanted that, uh, you know, a short vacation. And I was just burned out. I've been on tour so much and doing this show that I just, I was doing too much. 
And uh, when it was over, I was kind of glad it was over, but angry at the network for, you know, I went from like Comedy Central's golden boy to like, we don't want you around. You know, you've been, this show has been too, too dark, too mean. Not what we wouldn't necessarily wanted. And I think a lot of shows at Comedy Central get canceled. But I just, uh, I, I was, I was like, angry about how things were handled. And part of it came from me. All right. Fantastic. Um, favorite big beefs <laughs> that you know about or that make you laugh? Like comic fights that you've been a part of? Or oh, I, always, I, always them. Uh, I try to avoid them as much as I can. But I, whenever I hear a story of, you know, two comics hating each other and getting in a fight, there's always something really funny is said. I mean, there are stories I could tell, but I feel like they're not my place to tell on a For podcast. Sure. But uh, uh, I definitely have some favorites. I definitely liked the Tim Dillon and Michael Che one recently. I feel like they both went below the belt in great ways. And I definitely, I enjoyed it. Yeah, they're interesting. And Michael Che was like up in his like ivory tower. You know, Tim Dillon's like the man of the people that it's always kind of fun to see them go back and forth. I love like the drama. But I think even Michael Che was like, why am I dealing with all these fans? Like if you make fun of Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan has enough fans that the people like don't care. He's so big, it doesn't matter. But a guy like Tim Dillon, uh, who's, I guess, a little more niche, like his fans are way more passionate and will will come after you for sure. Um, that that can be that can be literally, and I'm sure he kind of regrets, uh, you know, being so public with it. There's no reason. But like a guy like Al Madrigal, anytime Al Madrigal tells me a story about getting in a fight with a comic, I'm all ears. I'm like a little kid sitting cross-legged, like, tell me a story, Dad. Like, I just, I love it. Because he's so fucking funny with what he says to people. Yeah, I only heard one story about him and like Steve-O and I was very into it. I've heard, I've heard many. I've been there for many of them. I wish just, I could be it's, there. It's so funny. I love Al Madrigal and I'm just, I'm thrilled by all his, all his, uh, his, his issues. Oh, his issues. I thought we were going to say success. Is he doing well? Is he rich? I hope he's rich. Oh, he's doing great. He's, he works all the time in all kinds of different facets. I mean, he co-founded All Things Comedy. Like, Al's doing great. Al's had a long career of, you know, failed pilots and shows that get canceled after one season. And he's at the point now where he just knows that there's something else coming along. It doesn't matter if things end, everything ends, and he'll get more. But I, I, Al's, Al's great and loves his family and loves what he does. In Chicago, there was a comedy competition and the prize was to open for Al Madrigal at the Lake Shore Theater. Mm. Uh, that was like the big prize of the competition. And I remember who won, who won it. It was Danny Callis. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> he was, do, you, do you know who that is? No. Um, and he was, uh, it was like a, a big, big deal. I want to do more, but I don't Go know. Ahead. I, th I think I'm probably giving it too much. I'm sure I'm going to get shit for this. No, you uh, won't. I'm asking. Well, because I usually there's no name, but you texted. You're like, let's talk some shit. Do you judge people when they're shit talkers or you love gossip? I love gossip, uh, but it like, depends on who it comes from. You know, if you if it's your only currency, I'm not a fan of that. But uh, like, you got to worry about what you say around certain people. But if it's a friend of mine and they're like, oh, you got to hear this. Or I'm going to text chain with a bunch of comics that I'm friends with. And it's like any kind of gossip. We uh we discuss and we enjoy, but we're also like there are multiple times a month. I'll be like, we should delete these and then start from scratch in case they ever got out. But I would uh I would enjoy it if they got out. It'd be funny. How many group chats are you in? One. 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 I, I've heard the joke of like, there's always a side group chat. If you're not in it, like you, they're, they're talking about you in there. <laughs> I'm only on the one with like six or seven comics, and that's that's it. And is there, you probably have particular people where no matter what they do, they're in the, in the chat where it's like, like this lunatic again. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Like you probably oh, yeah. have your right. usual suspects that you're looking out for that you're ready to uh, that are always doing embarrassing things. There's four or five comics that whenever they post anything, we're dissecting it and making fun of them. And like, what are they doing? Uh, for sure. For sure. And they're all successful and they're, you know, but it's so it's you don't feel too bad. But uh, but yeah, we, we definitely talk our shit. Well, do you think you what what would happen to your personality if you weren't as successful as you are? Do you think you would be an incel Nazi at the stand in New York? Like, do you think that would happen? I, I work very hard not to get bitter. I, getting angry, I can use to fuel me creatively. I can use to, to like, I'm going to go, I'm going to work harder than ever. But bitterness, I'm terrified of. So anytime I feel myself getting either jealous or bitter, I, I think about, I like almost meditate on it. Like, why am I feeling this way? And I can let it go. You know, I haven't been jealous in a long, long time. I'm very proud of what I do and what I have. And bitterness, I just, I see it happen to people. You know, people who are like so funny and you see them a couple of years later and they're like drinking too much and they're just angry and they're not enjoying comedy. And I'm like, leave, leave or, or deal with your shit. But I, I refuse to become bitter. I refuse. But I mean, if I was, I see a lot of stand-ups and I'm like, I can't believe you're still doing it. You know, if I had, had if I had been doing it and working as hard as you are and just not moving the needle at all. I would get out of here. So I'm, I'm, I'm lucky in that aspect that I, I like what I do and people seem to like what I do that I, I, but I, I avoid bitterness like the plague. Um, and then, you know, would you ever consider Schumer an enemy? Was that like an annoying thing to have an ex that was like, so like famous and in spaces and on that tour together? There was, I mean, right after we broke up, there was, it was like a year that was tough because you couldn't like, you could like I'd be on stage and someone would yell her name out. You know, she was just so famous that anything I did, it would like her name would be mentioned in the article, or there would be an article about her and it would mention us dating. And I was like, I just don't want to be known as her ex or her boyfriend. And after a year, that goes away. Uh, so it's been easier. But I mean, we don't. We we did that tour together and it was fine. We would have that one moment every weekend that was like kind of a fight, and then one we remembered why we were together in the first place. And at the end of the tour, we kind of hugged each other and we're like. That was a lot. That was like 12 weeks of touring together. And why I, I haven't seen her since. That's so good, though. So it ended fine and normal. Did you guys, was there a divorce of friends or everyone just kept whatever friends happened? No, because she was in New York and I was in, I had moved to LA, you know, before we broke up. So it was very easy. Like when, you, when you're in different, in different cities, the breakup is much easier than if like when we were in New York together and we would have to go through little breakups, we'd be, we'd be at this uh, table at the cellar that night. And it's like, well, we'd end up getting back together because you're just in such close proximity. Being on opposite sides of the country, she was touring, I was touring. Like it was just, it was different. And now, like she's got, she's married with like a kid, so it's it's so far off the table that uh, it doesn't matter. Um, and you're happy in a relationship, yes. Yes. And how do you fight? Are you a good fighter, communicator, all of that? You seem like you're doing good in life at the moment. I'm a good communicator. And I always say, like, I get into one fight in a relationship, and that's at the end. You know, that, that I, I try to be good enough at communicating. And I've learned from every relationship that, uh, that if I'm upset, I let them know. And maybe we have a difficult conversation that night, but the next day we feel better. And I always say, like, we're communicating. Like, yeah, like this was kind of a fuck up, but, like, we handled it in a mature way. And it makes the relationship stronger. Whereas before I probably would have like stewed on it or avoided it. And, uh, and then it just, it festers and, and you got to break up. But I think I'm, I'm, I'm just wiser now. And I kind of know what I want and what I need emotionally. And I'm not, I'm not afraid to ask for it. Have you ever been in a physical fight? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a long, long time, but in high school, I got beaten up a couple of times, you know, got in a few fights, uh, but not since high school. 
Like I got like a chipped tooth from like getting beaten up outside in Eden Park at two in the morning one night by strangers. Uh, so yeah, I mean, with a mouth like mine, I took some I took some beatings in high school. Um, do you yeah. ever meet any of your fans after shows and like go, I really hate you, and it would be great if you did not listen to to me anymore? I used to I used to have to like do the meet and greet after shows where I'd sell CDs or shake everyone's hand, and it was always like the guy who like heckled, who would come up and be like, "That was me." That we were great. Like we were a great team. And I'm like, we're not a team. I handled the heckler, but like, I don't like you for doing that. You know, I, I remember that I used to, I was touring my first like big tour in clubs. I was doing my like last album. So people knew like the final, people knew some of the punchlines and people would ruin my closer. I'd be right about to say the last line and someone would yell it out. And I was like, and that drove me crazy. And so no, I don't tour until I have an all new hour. So no one can do that to me because I hate it so much. Yeah, absolutely. But I would always want to come up and be like, that was me. And I'm like, well, I hate you. Why would you think I don't hate you? <sighs> Thank you for doing this, Anthony. My pleasure. <laughs> Fun end. Do you have any enemies of the week? Enemies of the week? <laughs> um, I want it to be longer. You do make me nervous. Good. Yeah. I want your my, approval, Anthony. My enemies of the week, I would say, uh, I would say the NFL this week. I like that the NFL is getting sued about hiring black coaches and I'm enjoying watching them squirm and all of that. It's been, it's been fun for me. Oh my God. I forgot that there's another huge part of the show. Okay. I'm going to play you a problem, a problem and then you'll give advice. I can't believe I forgot to do this. I can. Hi, Liza. Love your comedy. Love the podcast. One episode in and I'm already hooked. Okay, so here's my drama. My enemy is this guy named Fenya, who was my partner Franco's BFF. And right before I started dating Franco, he had just started working on himself to come out of a pretty deep depression, really bad habits with drinking the blackout on a regular basis, really cruel defense mechanism humor, and Fenya was part of that toxicity and we just didn't get along. Fenya was like also old money trash. Like he never learned that his actions have consequences. Nothing is ever like nice or high class enough. He came to our place where I cooked dinner. I made chilies rellenos and he turned up his nose at the green peppers I'd used. He ate the filling, but like said out loud, like repeated like three times that he doesn't like green peppers. So that kind of stuff just rubbed me the wrong way. So <laughs> the thing that's complicated Franco still really cares about this guy. And in February 2020, he died of a massive heart attack. So, like, okay, as you can imagine, I, like, really want to be supportive of my partner through his continued grief. But, like, at this point, there's no acknowledgement that he was rude and unkind to me when he was alive. Like, I'll never get an apology at this point or, like, acknowledgement that he was a jerk. And so he's just this wonderful friend who's, like, passed away. So my question is, how would you deal Explain what happened to me. So, I mean, um, so this girl's boyfriend or partner um, has a friend that is rude, was rude to her and didn't like the chilies rellenos that she cooked and was kind of a snob about it. Um, but then he died of a heart attack. But she wants to be supportive of her boyfriend who like lost um, the, the friend, but is also like, hello, he was rude to me. And to me, I feel like death ends it all. Right. <laughs> What? He's dead. Like you, it's like it, it, pretend he killed him. Uh, I would, I would not mention that to the boyfriend. I would just, when he talks about his friend who died, just like kind of nod your head, keep your mouth shut. And again, he's dead. You don't have to make him any more dinner. I know that sounded very rude, 
But when they die, like you, you won, you're still here. Like what? What do you? <laughs> yeah. What do you? You you can't have your husband post human. How do you say it? Post dead suddenly turn against his friend. I can't believe I forgot to do these. Of course you're gonna give such good advice. Okay. Oh, this one's too long. Let's not do that one. Yeah, and you can't be like waiting for an apology. You get like and then the the boyfriend's gonna be like, oh yeah, my dead friend was rude to you. Let's let's uh, let's curse his name. Let's keep him in purgatory a little longer. He doesn't doesn't matter. He's gone. You have to forgive if it's death. All right. Well, will you do another one or no? Mm-hmm. You got me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so basically, I was friends with this girl for about three years. And the thing is, is her family owns a dojo. And they teach, well, mixed, mixed martial arts. And... Her dad was really scary and essentially, um, and I'm, I'm gay by the way, her, I stopped being friends with her because whenever we got into an argument, she would pull out some killer fucking ninja moves and throw shit. And now that I stopped being friends with her, she essentially psychologically destroys me because I'm scared that her dad is going to swoop through the window with his killer karate moves. Was that real? So he, it's a, a gay guy who's friends with the girl. Her dad's like a karate master and an MMA fighter. And she would beat him up when they would get into fights. Like yeah. a gay guy, female friend, and she would beat like what kind of fights are they getting? And the, she sounds like the problem here. I'd be more worried about her than I would be the dad. If the dad is that well-trained and like owns a dojo, he knows enough to be responsible and isn't going to burst through the window to fight his, uh, his daughters. Like it'd be one thing if he like, if he like sexually assaulted her, but that sounds like that's not the thing. They were just friends who had a falling out. The dad's not doing anything. The dad is, is the one who's going to save you from her. I'd be more worried about her. If she's busting these moves out on her friend when they're getting in a fight, not a romantic thing, but just like like hurting you. If it, if I had a friend lay their hands on me, that's over, completely over. That I don't know why uh, why how she's psychologically damaging him. Is she threatening the dad's going to come beat him up? Because that will never happen. The dad knows too much. The dad's the dad's too knowledgeable and too uh, too responsible with his uh, with his skills. The dad's not coming after him. But I'd be worried about the daughter. Daughter sounds bad shit. You're so good at this, Anthony. Thank you. I wish I did this sooner. Will you do another one or no? Now I'm just like testing the waters. I'll do one more. Hey, Lisa. Long time fan. First time caller. I'm so happy you have your own podcast now. Um, but I did call to tell you about an enemy that I have and a big conflict that I've had in my life. Um, so I had this um, acquaintance slash friend in college who always seemed to have her own trauma and everyone was always out to get her and she had always boyfriend and friend problems. And so we kind of just put on her and took her into our friend group. And when I moved out of my mom's house a couple of years after college, um, I needed a roommate and so did she because she was breaking up with her quote unquote abusive crazy boyfriend. Um, and so we moved in together and that turned out to be the worst almost year of my life. Um, I ended up moving out early because she was such a biatch. Um, 
she hated my cat. She was, she told me she was jealous of me and my boyfriend when we started dating. And I couldn't have CDA in front of her because it made her uncomfortable. And then she started telling me that I couldn't have friends over. I couldn't have my boyfriend over unless I gave her two days a heads up and she had to approve. Um, and so I just, I'm wondering how to kind of get over the trauma of dealing with someone like that. Anyway, love you, Lisa. I can't believe that was the shortest one. Um, <laughs> it sounds like you had a bad roommate situation. Everyone's had the bad roommate situation since freshman year in your dorm in college. Uh, you probably should have made the decision to move in with her. Um, but that year is over. I would, I would not let her take up any more of your headspace. You've got, you've got stories for days. You've got stories that like you can dine out on those stories of your awful roommate and, and scheduling, you know, friend visits uh, two days ahead of time. Sounds like a goddamn nightmare, but there's plenty of nightmares uh, that you just, maybe they'd be okay if you weren't roommates with them, but I'm glad she got out of it and there's nothing to do now. There's nothing <laughs> to like, remember those stories and tell them about it. Um, have you ever been the bad roommate? Because I was going to say, there, you've, we've all lived with bad people, but I've been the bad person too. I've been the bad roommate in that I like smoke pot in the room, in like the house, or I'm like, I'm not as clean as I should be, but I'm pretty like, I'm pretty chill, laid back. I'm not around a lot. And, uh, you know, I've never, I don't think I've ever been like terrible. My freshman year uh, roommate uh, must have hated me. He was ROTC, so he was getting up at like 6 a.m. every morning. And I didn't get up until noon and I was out all night uh, that I'm sure he didn't love uh, being around me. But I wasn't like mean to him. I was just I I was unconscientious. He was jealous, though, too. You didn't make him be ROTC. No, no. I mean, but he enjoyed being an ROTC. It was just that he should have had a roommate who had a similar schedule to him and wasn't like a fucking animal the way that I was. But that's college freshman year. You know, we all got over and forgot about it. But that's the worst roommate I have ever been. You know, I've had, I had roommates for for uh, for years after that, but I was never I was never too bad. And I certainly was never like you. You have to have rules. <laughs> yeah. or, you know, you can't bring your girlfriend over. I'm jealous of the girl. Like never, never. Yeah. Um, if you were to come on this podcast with an enemy and someone you were going to have conflict with or a conversation, is there someone in your life that you would do that with? No, no. It's not worth my time. Like if it, there are people who come up to me and be like, hey, like. What's going on? Like, yeah, like, like the, the life is too short. We don't, the people that I don't like, like, it wasn't like we were friends and we had a falling out. It's like, I've never really liked or respected them. We just don't know them. Then what's the point of getting into this? Like, why am I, why am I doing this? But it was like a former friend that we had a falling out. Yeah. I might have you mediate something like that, but I'm, I'm pretty good with things like that. No, it seems like it. You really gave great advice to the voicemails too. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. You're going to log off immediately or what? <laughs> Bye. Bye, Liz. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you liked that. I hope you laughed. I hope you got info. I loved everything. And God bless everyone. I don't know why I said that. Truly, I just got texts that I got a call back for a movie that I really wanted. So I am like, now I'm like, ah! focused on that holy shit holy shit am i gonna be a movie star okay and don't forget please call in 323-677-1943 i'm so lucky to all of you and i hope you all find ways to i don't know murder the supreme court one by one and slit the throats of anyone who disagrees with us okay bye see you next week (laughs) 
Enemies is a HeadGum Podcast. Trish Hadley is our executive producer, engineer, and editor. Katie Moose is our supervising producer from HeadGum. Me, Lisa Traeger, I am also a producer. Hello. Thank you so much, Carly Jean Andrews, for the cover art. You're incredible. Jack Krause, thank you for the theme music. I love it. Please follow me on Instagram at either at GlitterCheese or at Enemies Podcast. Tell us about your own enemies by emailing enemiesthepodcast at gmail.com or calling 323-677-1943. That was a HeadGum Podcast.